The following audio content is a talk given at the Inn, a college ministry of University Presbyterian Church in Seattle, Washington. For more information, please visit our website, theinnseattle.org. We invite you to join us each Tuesday at 9 p.m. on the corner of 16th and 47th in Seattle's U District. Before I kind of get into tonight, I want to um, introduce you guys a little bit more, kind of to myself. Um, I have a picture that I think um, just encompasses who I am in a photo. Um, this was taken my sophomore year of college. I, at the time, was going to a community college. Um, it was summer, my favorite month. I love bread. It is one of my favorite foods. I get like five baguettes per birthday. It's great. Um, And at the time, chemistry was actually my favorite class that I was taking. Um, So just fitting that my chemistry book is up there. Also, side note, um, Chick-fil-A is also just a personal fan fave. So if you ever want to go, like, hit me up because I'm always down for Chick-fil-A. don't make it to breakfast as much, just not a morning person, but you know, it's okay. You win some, you lose some. But um, traditionally at the inn, when an intern speaks, um, usually people show a baby picture and kind of tell you a story on why they're the cutest baby or why they should win the cutest baby award. But um, I am not going to do that tonight. I'm going to tell you why I think that I'm the most G baby that kind of ever um, lived. There's a photo. Um, (laughs) I think that I found my swagger at a pretty young age. Honestly, I probably peaked in that photo. Um, But yeah, that's my favorite baby picture of me. Just got the little fist going on, the UW dad hat, the shades, just, you know, Jay chilling. It's fine. Um, And then a little bit more about me. I come from a family of four. Um, My mom, Kathleen, my dad, Ron, and my younger brother, Ryan, who is a sophomore here at the U. Um, And if you can't tell already from this photo, my family just loves the dogs. Um, They all, well, we all went, I don't know why I excluded myself. Um, We all went to UW, some of my aunts and my uncles went, Uh, my grandparents just UW kind of runs in the family blood. But um, I guess that being said, I tried to break um, that pattern. I was like, oh, I don't really want to go to the U because my whole family's gone. That's kind of bland. So my freshman year, I found myself at Western Washington University, um, decided I wanted to be a PA, transferred to Highline Community College, where my favorite picture of myself was taken, and then um, came to the U my junior year. Um, And then just one more fun fact. I went from first grade through 12th grade to none of the many Kent schools that like exist in the district. I went to a small private school, Seattle Christian, um, where I graduated class of 2012. Um, so enough about me. Last week, Mike kicked us off, like Thirt said, in um, a new series called Culture, Does What You Do Matter? And he kind of left us with this picture of God as a culture creator and how we have the identity of co-culture creators and where um, he asked us to partner with him to co-create culture and to subdue the earth, which just means kind of work. 
and um, kind of be fruitful and multiply. And we do that by um, engaging in our unique identities and the unique ways that God created us, engaging in our talents and passions um, and just the things that make us uniquely come alive. Tonight, I am going to focus on how Jesus is still calling us to partner um, in that identity. But first, let's take a quick look um, at this guy named Adam. And he is kind of the star of um, the creation story and the story of the fall. So Adam um, and that whole story, kind of you can look at it as his own personal testimony. But Adam itself, like the word, means humanity, which I thought was pretty cool because not only did it show the fall of this one man, but it also represented the fall of all human beings just that ever lived and ever will live. Um, Adam let the culture around him influence him, and he stopped engaging with the culture that God created, which thus resulted in the fall and kind of the broken and messy world that we find ourselves living in today. And I want to talk about how Jesus is kind of redeem, using us to redeem that title as co-creator. Um, and he's asking us to partner with him and like continue to co-create culture, um, despite the fact that now it's a lot messier and a lot more broken. But before we get into the word, um, first of all, I want to let you know that no matter where you're at, where you've been, where you're going, um, you are invited on this journey. Um, so please pray with me. Dear Jesus, I thank you for tonight. I thank you um, for all the students that are in this room on this uh, wonderful Tuesday night, Jesus, and um, for the tacos that we all got to share together. And I pray that you would fill this room, Jesus. I pray um, that you would speak through me and that you would prepare the hearts and minds um, of the people in this room right now. And I pray that anything that is not from me would just be taken out right now. I pray that you would anoint my mouth, Jesus, and um, may your message be spoken uh, through me, Jesus, and in your name, amen. Okay, so um, like I mentioned before, um, I transferred into UW as a junior, and at that time, I was kind of like, okay, I got college figured out, got two years under my belt, even though they were different schools, um, and I was like, oh, I'm going to be a physician's assistant, great. And in doing some research, I was like, I know I need to take these classes, I need to have this GPA, just the works. I had it all lined up. And I essentially had created this map for my life. And I have a picture of what, in my mind, that kind of looked like. I had my start goal um, of here is where I'm at, whether that was when I started college or not, just in general, there was me existing. And then I had all these little things that I was checking off in order to get to that end goal down at the bottom. Um, my path, or not my path, my destination, um, which to me looked like becoming a physician's assistant. And up until this point, I'd been checking those things off. I was getting the grades. I was like, I'll major in chem because I love that. Maybe bio, you know, it's relevant. Um, but 
I just kind of had the rest of my life mapped out. But along the way, uh, through messy process, I realized that life actually does not look like that. And I kind of knew that, but that is not how I was engaging. Um, I think I'm not the only one who kind of likes to draw, well, I don't like to draw a map, but it's what I was doing. Um, I don't know, just living into a bunch of like false identities, which I'll get to. But um, I was learning that life doesn't actually look like this nice linear path that we draw out, no matter what destination we're trying to get to. Actually looks a lot more, at least in my mind, uh, maybe some of you will agree, I think it looks a lot more like this. Uh, ignore the Paris, that's like the closest thing I could find. But um, I think it looks a lot more like these little points kind of just all over the place. And maybe they connect, maybe they don't. Maybe I go to all of them, maybe, I'll, maybe I only go to one of them. Um, but the point is, I was not looking at my life like that. Um, I was seeing it as, I'm going to UW, great school, I'd hit the holy grail, kind of. I was like, on track, um, entering into this great school, gonna live with eight of my best friends, like, life is really, really good. What I didn't realize that I was building my foundation, um, or putting kind of everything that I had and my worth in this career path. And so, in thinking about just the term foundation, who uses that term? Um, I was like, let's see what the Bible says about this. And so in the book of Matthew, at the end of this thing called the Sermon on the Mount, which is just a very famous sermon that Jesus is talking to a crowd of people, he is giving this teaching about foundations. And so I'm gonna talk out of Matthew 7, 24 through 27. And it reads, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against the house, and yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash." Originally, when I read this verse, I was like imagining kind of just a bunch of rocks surrounded by sand. I have a picture of what I imagine this thinking like. I think a lot in pictures, so just bear with me. Um, I kind of looked at this and imagined either an already built house just being set on either the sand or the rock. I was like, okay, so what? Why is that significant? Even if the rock represents Jesus, why does this matter? Like, why is building on the rock so much built better than building on the sand? They're like about the same distance, you know, there's nothing significantly harder in building on the rock, and I just didn't really get it. Um, I also kind of thought about this other picture of the same concept of, okay, maybe it's a flatter rock. The first one, why would you build on that to begin with? This one is flatter, much more sensible foundation for a house. Um, and it kind of depicts the rains falling on both of these houses. And I'm like, okay, again, so what? Why is this significant? Like, yeah, the sand on the house farthest to the left, like, clearly it 
blew away and the house fell apart. Um, and the other one is still standing. So who cares if it's on a rock? Like, why is that important? And I think one point that I thought of was just, well, the verse also mentions um, streams rising and winds blowing. And this is just one aspect of the storm. If a wind blew that house, it could potentially blow away. In struggling through thinking about this concept of building a house or a life on a rock, whether it's metaphorical or literal, I was just kind of like, what? But then, lucky for me, um, our very own Mike McAvoy has a degree and background in construction management, and so he gave me some insight as, as to what it actually looks like to build on a rock. And it's actually a really kind of intense process. It's, first of all, really, really expensive. Second of all, um, just really tedious. You have to do a bunch of micro-explosions in the rock in order to get the correct um, shape that you want. And then you have to kind of sand and smooth that down. And then you have to anchor the house or like the foundation into the ground and like drill into the rock. So it's a very taxing um, process, not easy, like I said, very expensive. Um, and so I was like, okay, that makes a lot more sense um, as to why it would be worth kind of like investing in this foundation. Um, like you can actually see like why the house is not going to blow away. And I have yet another picture to illustrate this. Um, if this structure was not anchored, wind or the waves surrounding it could easily blow it just into the water. And like, why would you build a house if you just want it to blow in the water? Um, and so just thinking about this process, I'm like, okay, that makes sense why you would anchor it and like go through all of this tedious work, pay all of this money in order to um, just build on a rock. Going back to junior year, um, despite the fact that I felt like I was um, pursuing just the path um, that I had kind of set out for myself and that it was going really, really well, um, life kind of swept in and had other plans for me. And I found myself in the midst of one of the greatest storms for me um, to this day. I started um, failing every class that I was taking. I actually dropped out of OCHEM, which I was so stoked to take because I loved chemistry. Um, dropped it because I was like, oh my gosh, this is too hard. And like, why would I invest in this if it's just like a for fun class? Um, I just like had all these misconceptions, I guess, of what um, that year was going to look like. Um, I was putting everything that I had into kind of like metaphorically building this house on the sand, um, which I didn't realize, but I was giving everything I had to getting into a major and to becoming a PA um, and to living this like glorious UW life that I kind of imagined. And it was at all not the case. Um, I was unwilling to interrupt the plans that I had for my life in order to give it um, to the plans that God had for me. Um, I found myself being pulled off of this linear path and I gave everything that I had to get back to it. The walls around me um, were like 
falling down and I was like trying to push it back up. I was like, no, like, please just like stay together. And that wasn't the case because my house had a sandy foundation. Um, a little after Matthew 7 um, comes this little story in Matthew 9. And it's a story where Jesus is going along in his ministry and he's on his way to this really good, really important um, task. He is on his way with some followers and his disciples to go heal this sick and dying girl. And along the way, there is this woman who has been sick and bleeding for many, many years um, and just really struggling. And she has heard about Jesus and in faith reaches out and touches him. And he feels power uh, leave him and heal her. And the story could have ended there, but he kind of turns around and decides to engage with her and kind of is like, yo, I felt power leave me. Who touched me? And the people around him are like, hey, Jesus, like, we have this really important thing over here. Like, keep going. Like, we got to go. This dying girl, like, remember the MO. Like, we got to go. And Jesus is like, no, who touched me? And I think that this is really significant because Jesus was going somewhere really, really important. So why was he able to stop moving towards that good thing and engage with what was exactly and directly around him? And I believe that it is because he had his foundation in God. He was building his life on the rock. Um, and he was very confident and solid in that. He, had, he was giving everything he had um, to build that foundation. And he was living into that. And so he, in turn was not letting the culture around him, the people who were like, hey, keep going. He wasn't letting them affect, or he wasn't letting them affect what he was doing. Um, he wasn't letting them influence him. He actually was influencing the culture around him. He was flipping the culture around him on its head and saying, hey, I know this is good, I know this is important, but also so is this thing that is right in front of me. I know the end goal is important. Healing this girl is really good, but this thing in front of me is also really good. And I don't have my security, uh, or I don't have my life and my worth rooted in you seeing me heal this girl over here. I'm gonna engage in a relationship, whether it was five minutes or longer than that, it's irrelevant. He chose to engage in relationship with, was, with what was right in front of him. When I stopped putting my faith in myself and my plan, um, I recognized that God had been there the whole time with me. I was just too busy trying to keep my house from crashing. I was trying to take control of my own life um, I stopped listening to Jesus. I thought that he had actually abandoned me. I was like, God, you're not real. Like, you don't care. I'm praying to you. You're not listening to me. Um, clearly, I'm not worth being listened to. That was really hard growing up in a Christian home and kind of having heard about Jesus and how he loves me. And I just did not feel that. I felt abandoned by the God that I had put my trust in my whole life. 
um, where I felt broken, um, when I let Jesus redeem those areas of my life, and when I let go and started engaging um, in the world around me and what I heard him saying to me, that's when life became vividly fun for me. That's when relationship with Christ became real and authentic to me. It was when I realized that I had a unique relationship with Jesus. Um, my senior year was a huge rebuilding process from my junior year. It was, I think to this day, the funnest year of my life. Um, it is, yeah, where I just was engaging with God in new and fun and exciting ways. Um, but it wasn't all fun and games. It was really hard. I had to exchange lies of you are unworthy um, and hear that God told me that I was worthy. I had to break off lies that said, oh, you're not enough. Even for applying to this job, um, I didn't believe that I had a story or um, just anything to share. I was defeated. I was broken. I was just like, I'm kind of done. Um, haven't really been engaging with God, so why should I um, apply to something where I'm going to lead people, um, hopefully, to see Jesus um, and I had to break those off. And when I started breaking those off and releasing my hands and letting God interact with that and sit with me in the brokenness, it didn't make the brokenness go away, but it made it better because I wasn't alone in it. Um, there is this um, Japanese process called kintsuji, and it is a process in which um, they use gold to melt together um, broken pieces of pottery. And that is exactly how I felt. I felt like this little teapot. Um, and through most of my life, I was like, pretty easy life. Things are going great. Nice. Like, good job, Caitlin. And then kind of junior year and senior year happened, and it was just like the pot had like just been smashed on the ground into like a ton of pieces. And I was just like... How am I going to bounce back from this? This is just, like, the worst. Like, there's no way. Like, again, God's abandoned me. Like, what? Uh, but that wasn't the case. I have found um, that God was gluing me back together um, with his love and his redemption um, and his peace and his mercy. Um, and I have a picture, if you don't know what um, it is, but... Looking back, um, I can just see so much beauty that rose out of my brokenness. Um, and I just think that this process, like, yeah, you have to break things. You have to tear things off. You, it, The process is really ugly. Like, who wants a broken pot, you know? But it's kind of that end of it's being melded back together, and it's more beautiful than when it was just a normal pot. Um, and that is kind of the lesson that I was learning um, out of that year. I want you guys to hear that Jesus cares about the things that we do. He cares about the things that you care about. Um, getting good grades, pursuing a major, having a good friend group, being in a relationship, the house that you live in, um, your Instagram feed, how people perceive you. Like, 
Are you cool? Like, Jesus cares about these things. They're good things. Like, he wants these things for us. But what I have found um, is where these things don't become so good where is when we start putting our worth in, and our identity in these things, and we let them rule us. That was not the intention in the garden. God did not create a, uh, create a culture for these things to rule over us. He created us to rule over these things. And he's calling us to engage with these things, these good things. And he's calling us to co-create with him this culture and engage in these things to bring back um, and establish a culture where you are ruling over these things rather than letting them rule you. Because of the fall, we're broken. And so just by nature, it's easy to be like, oh yeah, like investing in um, building on the rock. Yeah, that sounds great. But then you get into it and you're like, oh, this is hard. It's not easy. Um, but, um, and then you turn and you're like, oh, it's so much easier like to build on the sand. And yeah, that is the reality. It's easy to let culture influence you rather than influence culture. It's easy to let these things that you care about, whether it's your end goal, like whatever you are making that end goal for yourself, it's easy to let just the things of the world kind of dictate how you get there or um, just influence how you engage with that. Um, it's completely normal to um, idolize things and turn away from God, but that is not where he wants us to stay. Um, going back to Matthew 7, verses 25 and 27 in particular, um, it has the phrase, and the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house. And this... I think has extreme significance because it's repeated twice. It's repeated once when um, Jesus is talking about the wise man building on the rock. And it's repeated again when he's talking about the foolish man <laughs> building on the sand. It's the exact same phrase. And I think that that is so significant because it's inevitable that a storm is going to come, no matter how big or small. Storms are going to come and storms are going to affect you. And um, just because um, you're living life with Jesus doesn't exempt you from the storm. It just makes it better and more hopeful to go through because you're not alone in it. He is working with you in and through the storm. He wants to walk with you in and through the storm in order to get you out of that storm. He wants to shelter you through the storm. And I think that that is so, so significant. Nobody wants to be in the midst of the storm, but because of the fall, that is the reality of just life. Storms are going to come. But the good news of this is... Um, 
that Jesus is redeeming your story through the storm. He's using those storms um, to further your story. He's using them to bring glory to him. He's using you and your influence to the your house, to the people around you, to the people in your classes. Um, he is using you to influence the culture around you. He doesn't want us to come to him when we have things all figured out. I was learning a very similar process um, in writing this sermon. It really, really sucked. Um, it was really hard. Thurt can attest. There were multiple times when I was just sitting there with him, and I was just so frustrated that I stopped having thoughts altogether. And I was like, why am I even doing this? Like, what is the point? And I recognized that um, kind of as this verse says, everyone who hears these words and puts them into practice, I realized that I wasn't doing that. Um, I was just hearing these good words. I am surrounded in an environment where I hear good encouragements. I hear affirmations. I hear sermons and devotions and just good truths about Jesus all the time, but I wasn't engaging in it. And thus, I found myself back in the sand. And I was like, I didn't even know that I was in the sand because I thought, you know, I was just surrounded by, like, all this goodness. Um, just because you start building on your house on the rock doesn't mean that you stay there. You have to work and continue to build your house on that rock. You have to continue to lay down um, lies and just break off things that aren't life-giving to you and give them to God and continue to build your identity in the truths that he speaks over you. Um, I say that um, because I was just realizing that I was going through the motions. I was living out of kind of muscle memory of conversations revolving around God um, and I was just kind of going through the motions, and I didn't even realize it. And it's by the grace of God, I think, that I was wrestling through this text because he pointed me back to the rock before I hit the storm. And I want to encourage you guys with that. Like, you don't have to be on some mountaintop um, high, like the camp high that everybody talks about. You don't have to be there. You don't have to be perfectly right with Jesus to be like, great, now I'm going to build my house um, on the rock. I'm good, like, let's start now. Like, we're great. You don't have to be in the depths um, of the storm to start being like, God, where are you? Okay, let's start building on the rock. Get me out of here. Um, it is just a regular Tuesday night, the sixth week of the quarter. Um, you can start building on the rock today. It doesn't have to be any of like the extremes. It can be in the mundane, the day-to-day. -day. Um, and Jesus is always there. He's so excited for you to be like, hey, Jesus, where are you in my life? Where are you right now in this moment? Like, what are you saying to me? He's so excited um, to engage with you in that. Um, putting our house on the sand, just hypothetically, building your life um, just in non-life-giving things, like, it's normal. 
Everybody does it, and it doesn't exempt you from being able to build your life on the rock. You can start at any point, no matter where you've been, where you're going, or where you're at right now. And I think that's so significant because that is the beauty of the cross and why Jesus went to the cross. Um, if you allow God to glue your life back together with his love and truth and let him redeem your story through your brokenness and then go out and share it, I guarantee you're going to influence somebody. Um, it's so beautiful and powerful because it's a story of you personally and uniquely interacting with the God of the universe, the creator of culture, um, and the redeemer. And he wants to engage with you in that. And I hope that you hear and see um, a story of Jesus's redemption in your own life and bring, and I hope that you see him bringing beauty from your own brokenness. And if you're honestly like not there tonight, that is okay. Um, there's no perfect timing to come there, but I invite you, if you do hear yourself like, oh yeah, I kind of am on the sand, like it's okay that you're there, but I want to challenge you. Don't stay there. Jesus doesn't want you to recognize, oh, this is where I'm at, and just stay there. He wants you to go farther. He wants you to go deeper. He wants you to challenge yourself. And so I'd, I'd encourage you, if that's where you're at, to start building just on a little bit of harder soil than you are now. Please pray with me. Dear Jesus, um, I thank you just for the gift of redemption. I thank you for the gift of the cross and that you are redeeming all of our broken stories, Jesus, um, every broken moment uh, with your love and your grace, Jesus. I pray that you would cover each one of these uh, students here, um, and I pray that you would engage with them in their brokenness. I pray that you would help point them to the rock. I pray that you would engage with them and help them co-create cultures. I pray that you would help them realize that they are influencers and that they can co-create cultures no matter where they're at, in their houses, in their friend groups, with people they see on the street, Jesus. I pray that they would continue to wrestle with this and engage with this um, and just continue to encounter you. We love you and in your name, amen.